0: Well, good morning, everyone. Again, I'm Pastor Sam Gutierrez, and it's so good to be with you this morning. I'm very excited to jump into this sermon series called Sunday School Stories. I think there's a picture of Jonah and the fish. I don't know when that's coming up, but I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it's coming. Okay. So I'm kind of excited to see Jonah and the fish. We've been asking kids to draw pictures of these Sunday School Stories, so you're going to see that in just a minute. We're going to read a big chunk of Jonah this morning. So... Uh, It's such a good story that I thought we got to really read a bunch of the stories. So you can follow along on the screen. I'm going to be reading it. And if you want to open up your Bible or your Bible app, we're going to be reading Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 through 17, 2 verse 1, and then 2 verse 10. You can find that on page 1323 in your Pew Bible. The story of Jonah. Sunday school stories. This is often a familiar story that gets read downstairs. In our sunday school program or uh, children's bibles often include the story of jonah this is jonah chapter 1 verse 1 through 17 2 verse 1 and then verse 10 the word of the lord came to jonah son of amity go to the great city of nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? Where is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you've pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then 2, verse 1 and 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep inside the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. And then chapter 2, verse 10. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What a good story, the story of Jonah. A number of years ago, there was a movie written and directed by Tim Burton that came to the big screen. The movie was called Big Fish. Big Fish is a story about a relationship between a father and a son. The father has a love for uh, telling fantastic and amazing stories about his life. It all comes to a head on the wedding day of his son, when the father, with a vivid imagination, tells the raptured wedding guests with all seriousness that on the very same day that his son was born, he caught an enormous catfish using his own wedding ring as bait. The son, having heard these made-up stories, his whole life is embarrassed in front of his wedding guests and has had enough, and so for the next three years, the father and the son, they have a falling out. They don't communicate or see each other at all because the son believes that he can't have a relationship with a father who is unwilling to live in the real world and who continues to tell impossible stories about his life. Our story this morning starts out normal enough. God calls Jonah to preach a message of repentance to the city of Nineveh. The original listeners would have uh, immediately thought, oh, I know how this story goes. It's about a God who calls a prophet to preach, and the prophet obeys God and goes to the city and does exactly what God says But just when the listeners are set up with their expectations, the story takes a delight in subverting those expectations. The narrative throws a juicy curveball. Because instead of going to Nineveh, Jonah runs away. In the exact opposite direction, Jonah goes to Tarshish, gets on a ship, encounters a tremendous storm, and eventually gets thrown overboard. And then, Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. For many, Jonah is a very beloved story, partly because it's short, partly because we can so easily identify with Jonah. Jonah runs away from God, and we all do that, sometimes overtly, sometimes more subtly, But mostly, we love the story of Jonah because Jonah gets swallowed by a big, big fish. So, how about we talk about the fish? Should we? Let's talk about the fish. Jonah 1 verse 17 says this, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now, if you have young kids and you read this story to them before bed maybe in a children's version of the Bible, or maybe they're hearing it downstairs and they ask you, did that really happen? Did a fish really swallow Jonah? What would you say? Well, we're going to answer that question, but first let's just push pause on that question, and let's take a moment, I think this will be helpful, To consider how Jesus thought about and used the story of Jonah. How Jesus used the story of Jonah. And I want to highlight two things. First, Jesus uses a direct reference to the story of Jonah. Listen to this passage from the book of Matthew 12, verse 38 through 40. You're just going to have to listen. It's not on the screen. Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now if you ask Jesus, Jesus, did Jonah really get swallowed by an enormous fish? I'm not sure what Jesus would say. But if you ask Jesus maybe a slightly different question, Jesus, do you take seriously the story of Jonah, especially that fish part? I'm confident Jesus would say, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Jesus seems to have a very high regard for the story of Jonah. Jesus takes it so seriously that he uses the story of Jonah, especially that fish part, to talk about his own death and what would happen to him. That's the first thing. That's how Jesus uses the story of Jonah. Here's the second thing, though. Many scholars have noticed that when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is, in fact, putting a fresh spin on the story of Jonah. The story Jesus tells in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, it ends with a dramatic scene where everyone is celebrating the return of the prodigal son. There's a big party happening. But the elder son is outside in the dark. He's angry. He's resentful. And he's struggling to understand and accept the absurd generosity and compassion of his father. But the father doesn't leave him out in the darkness. The father leaves the party, goes out to his son, and invites him in, saying, My son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Listen to the way that the story of Jonah ends. Jonah is angry about God's great compassion that extends beyond the boundaries of Israel. God goes out to him and says, Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? It's easy to think that the story of Jonah getting swallowed by a fish is about Jonah getting swallowed by a fish. But remember that the initial spark that ignited the story was God's great compassion and concern for the city of Nineveh. God loves the people of Nineveh, and so God acts. He sends Jonah, who turns out to be a reluctant prophet who runs away. But God doesn't give up on Jonah. He doesn't give up on Nineveh either. Nor does God give up on the elder son, who's outside in the dark, can't enter the party, And he doesn't give up on the prodigal son either. He invites both children, the ones who stayed home and the ones who got lost, into his great, great compassion. So let's get back to that question. Did it really happen? Did Jonah really get swallowed by a big fish? Well, I can't say for sure that it did. I also can't say for sure that it didn't happen. But is it true? Is it true? Oh, it's very true. It's very true. God doesn't give up on you and me either. So much so that instead of sending Jonah, a reluctant prophet, this time God sends his very own son, Jesus a willing servant king who gets swallowed up by death and stays in the belly of that great beast for three days. On the third day, death vomits all over the Garden of Gethsemane. We call that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And there's Jesus, alive, standing on a brand new shore. The resurrection was a surprise to everybody. But it shouldn't have been. The clues were right there. It was in their very own scriptures, in the story of Jonah. If only they understood or knew how to read the story of Jonah. At the beginning of this sermon, I told the story about a father who loved to tell fantastic and amazing stories about his own life. The only problem was his very own son believed them to be lies, made-up stories. They can't possibly be true. The, The son's frustration with his father's refusal to live in the real world, it caused a rift in their relationship, and so they don't see each other for three years. At the end of the movie, the son receives news that the father is dying. He's had a stroke, and he's in the hospital. The father wakes up in the middle of the night while his son sits next to him in the hospital room. But because of the stroke, the father can hardly speak. But in broken sentences, he manages to make a request. He asks his son to tell one last amazing story of how the father's life will end. It becomes a decisive moment in the movie. How will the son tell the one last story? Will he tell it as factual as possible, telling a story about hospital rooms and machines and wires and medications and the loss of motor function? Or will he join in with the father and tell one final amazing story? The son struggles a bit at first. And then, slowly, he begins to tell the final story of his father's life. The story of how it all ends. First, together, the father and the son conspire to enact a daring and bold escape from the hospital. Racing through the hallway in a wheelchair while evading doctors and nurses, they rush into the parking lot to find the father's red sports car sitting there, brand new, ready for action. Leaving the wheelchair behind, they get into the car and race through the town. From there, they travel to a nearby river where everyone from the father's past is there to see him off. The son takes the father into his arms and begins to wade into the river. As the father dips below the surface of the water, he is transformed into a giant catfish and swims away. Shortly after his son finishes telling this final story, this final chapter, the father dies in that hospital bed, satisfied that his son finally understands his love for life and his love for storytelling. You might think that's how the movie ends, but that's not how the movie ends. After his father dies in that hospital room, they have a funeral. At the funeral, the son is surprised that when people start showing up to pay their respects to his father, there's all kinds of people that are showing up, people he doesn't recognize at first. There was a familiar story that his father told about a giant. And at the funeral, there was a man who showed up who was not exactly a giant, but he was really, really, really tall. And then there was another story that his father told about identical twins who were born conjoined at the hip and they shared one pair of legs. And at the funeral, the real funeral, there were twins who looked exactly alike. Well, they weren't conjoined at the hip, but it's as if they could have been. They looked so much alike. And slowly the son begins to realize that although the stories may not have happened exactly as his father had told them, this didn't mean that they weren't true. In fact, what had seemed impossible turned out to be true. It was all very true. So let's get back to that question again. A child asks you, did Jonah really get swallowed by a fish? Did he really spend three days in the belly of that fish? Did that fish really spit Jonah onto the shore? With a twinkle in your eye, you can say this, yes. Because what happened to Jonah, it happened to somebody else. And his name is Jesus. And that's an amazing story. In fact, at first, it may seem impossible, but stay with it, and you'll come to know that it's true. It's all true. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for your word. Thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jonah. Thank you for these amazing stories. Thank you for the ways that they shape our lives. Thank you for the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. May your beloved scriptures continue to shape our hearts. So that we come to love you more, love our neighbors more, and love your world more. So that we become just like you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.